Yeah, guy. What's up, guy? What's up, bros? What's up? You want to hear a pre-roll? Your, your audio sounds a little muted. How's it now? That much better. It helps if I face the microphone towards me. Wow. Who would have thought? I don't know. Sometimes I forget the basics. Um, so with us today, Neat Essentials. NeatEssentialsUSA.com, of course. Uh, wetsuits, outerwear for snowboarding once that season rolls around. But wetsuits, board shorts, all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, NVS Fins. I've got a listener who reached out, Scott. He runs Breakwater Surf Co. in Rockaway Beach, New York. He said they're fully stocked with NVS fins unless Ron from Board Porn comes in and buys them all. <laughs> Good for Ron. I love that guy. That guy's a legend. Guy has more yeah. boards than I do. Shocking. The only making, person on the planet. He's making me look good. Um, so NBS fins available in Rockaway. They're also available at Bird Surf Shed in San Diego. One of your former guests on the Boardroom Podcast. Yeah, go to birds. I'm I'm gonna go to birds and get my NVS fins. I need a new set. Wait, does does bird own more surfboards than you and Ron combined? Oh yeah, birds got so many boards. You you walk in there and you're like, wow, you got a lot of boards. He's got like 400 boards in there. That's nothing. He still has honey holes stashed away and little like sheds along Marina Boulevard that no one knows about that are this is packed, packed to the brim. You can't even walk in them you're just you open the door and you're like oh man there's a lot going on this is what you need to tell your wife if she ever complains about your collection be like hey this is a retirement plan look at how successful bird is my wife never complains about my surfboards she's really we're, great about it we've painted a picture that she does and by we i mean me and listeners probably too yeah. but yeah it's funnier to think about her um being disgruntled no um <laughs> Use surf in San Clemente. Also, not only do they stock NBS, but they have a demo program, which I think is oh, pretty rad. That's great. Real outer, real outer sports in um, the Outer Banks. Surfy in Norway. Oh, my buddy Trip Foreman at Real. On the yeah, Outer Banks. dude, who moves more surfboards than that guy? I love that. You know what? He's a he's a surfboard hound like us too. Guy's got a it's lot of boards. Crazy. Yeah. Surfy in Norway. Board shop in England. By the way, Clint, yeah. Trip Foreman's going to be at the boardroom show. He's flying out for the boardroom show. Does he have a booth just, or is he just no, he's, he's, or? he's really tight with Pat. Pat Rawson mm. and him are good buddies. So he's going to come out and say hi. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Clink, Clinica board shop or in Israel, surf ride in Solana Beach and XTR in Japan. Those are our NVS retailers. Uh, not a comprehensive list, but for listeners oh, around the world, go for surf it. Surf ride in Solana Beach is just right down the street from me. I'm going to have to go there. I do. I've been known to go into surf ride in Solana Beach and my buddy John Ennis runs this place. And the, I know a lot of the people that work there. And I'm the, I'm kind of the freaky consumer that'll walk in there just to like buy a bar of wax. You could potentially walk out of there with a surfboard under my arm. You are there. They see you coming a mile away and they're just like, all right, boys. Grease, <laughs> like, grease no, this guy is easy. They're like easy. You don't even have to do anything. And the new kid in the back is like, "Yeah, but we just sold him three boards last week, and I heard on the podcast that he bought another one down the street." They're like, "Yeah, don't worry. He's he's right yeah. for the picking." I am. Um, I'm gonna play a message for you, Scott, and then we're gonna 
go into a yeah guy. You ready for it? Sure. I wanted to give you a big thanks for uh, keeping me occupied on my drive to the beach every Saturday and Sunday, which is about an hour and 15 to an hour and a half long. So every Saturday it is, uh, can't even think of the name right now, Spit Podcast, and Sundays I listen to The Grit. Anyway, uh, just checking to see if this was a real number. Thanks, guys. Greatly appreciate everything you do, and uh look forward to many more great episodes, and I'll probably use this line shortly. Thanks. Bye. I don't hear anything, by the way. You can't hear it? No, I haven't oh, heard anything. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. I thought you were listening to it. No. Oh, well. Failed tech, failed uh, <laughs> audio difficulty on my portion. I set up a um, listener line for listeners to call in and leave messages rather than us having to read their emails. I saw that. Yeah. We Is just that just for our show? show? No, it's for anybody. They just have to say who it's for when they leave the message. Oh. Um, all right, I'll put it in in post-production, but that, now you can't hear it. But anyways, for listeners. Well, what, what is it? I want Now you got me all fired up. It's actually um, nothing. He's just saying thank you, and he has an hour and a half drive to the beach, and he listens to Spit every Saturday, and uh, it occupies his time every week, and he's grateful for it, and he'll call back later with an actual question, but he just wanted to say thanks. As we see... Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got That's cool. Well, yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, guy. It is uh, Wednesday. We're a day late. We apologize for that. And it's July, I believe the 21st. Let me double check. Yes, July 21st. And uh, David Lee Scales, Scott Bass here. We are spitballing with you. We're talking all things surf, surf culture, surf music, surf history, surf legacy, friggin' surf waves, surf, 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 surf. That's what we're doing, bros. Big week too. Big week in surf. Not it a lot is. of surf music, but um, a couple of things to follow up on. The biggest yeah. news of this week, you made a cameo appearance on Shark Week. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I did. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. I don't have access to that channel. Um, but hilarious. I mean, this is not a joke. You were on Shark Week. Yeah, no. What? I was on National Geographic Shark Week. Tell, tell us it about was more it. than How a cameo that... it was kind of a leading role <laughs> <laughs> oh cash in the paycheck huh no paychecks um, no paychecks did... the funniest thing about this is that you didn't even know you somebody explain the whole story i just yeah, get a text I... from you saying hey apparently i was on shark week yeah so i shark week called me during covid and they were doing us you know basically doing production for the upcoming shark week, which is always in the summer, right? It's always in July. And um, so I, I want to say it was like, you know, April of 2020 and they were shooting it for, I don't know, maybe it was October. I forget when it was, but they called me and they're like, Hey, we, we read that you were in the water. And when, you know, sadly, Dr. Martin here in Solana beach got attacked by that great white shark. And 
and we see that, you know, for whatever reason, my name came up when they were Googling it, you know, and so they're just reaching out to anybody they could to get some talking head on their show, you know, yeah. and because I've done enough documentaries and enough production to know that I appreciate how hard it is to get somebody. I go, yeah, yeah, I'll help you out. No problem. You know, whatever. And so they had me, you know, show up and just kind of talk to them about what I experienced. And, uh, and that's, that's what I did. And so they just kind of used me as like B-roll filler talking head guy as they told their story about great white sharks in Southern California in 2008 and 2009. Did you get to see the segment or did your friend just send you the little clip? No. Yeah, I did watch it. Yeah, okay, I watched cool. it. It's actually National Geographic Man versus Shark. And the episode is called California Chaos. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, are you happy with how it turned out? Sure. Yeah. You, you, know? had, you had your boardroom hat on, which is good. Good move. Yeah. You, it's always a little, you know, look, you know, the sad thing is, is that there was a fatality involved here, you know? And so you're always a little wary about being the talking head, you know? And so I was just tr trying to, you know, to be respectful of that, of, of the fatality and, and Dr. Martin's family and all that, you know, I didn't want it to go to, you know, TMZ or whatever. And of course, National Geographic, they do a pretty good job of keeping it as scientific as possible. That was in 2008, you said? Yeah. 2008, 2009, there was a series of great white shark, a spike in great white sharks in Southern California. Did you witness and the attack? No, I was in the water when it occurred. I was actually between Swami's, I was at Pipes, basically, between Cardiff and Swami's. And I was doing a stand-up paddle, long-distance okay. paddle, and I was way outside. I think I've told you this, right? I was way outside, outside of the kelp beds, going out to the buoy off Moonlight. And, uh, and I see the friggin' helicopter, like, circling, yeah. coming down the coast, and there's this muffling coming out of it as it's making its announcement. I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? And it keeps going over all these different pods of surfers and making this muffled announcement. And then it sees me out past the kelp bed. So it beelines it from the coast out to me directly over my head, just me by myself. And it's like attention on the water. There's been a fatal shark attack. Please go in immediately. And then it just, the helicopter just sped off. And I'm like, gee, thanks a lot. You know, maybe, Drop me a cage or something. Maybe I can right. get the ride in. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just figured, you know, it, it is what it usually is with a great white, which is a um, sort of a, a cursory investigative bite on somebody's femur and they bleed out, unfortunately, which is the case, you know. Right. Well, crazy. Um, so I just referenced you had the boardroom show hat on. Do you want to give people the update on the boardroom yeah. show? Okay. So the update is, we are going to be doing a live stream no way. of some of the boardroom show, Good you know, for like for maybe, we're not sure exactly, but probably it'll probably only be on Saturday for maybe four to six hours. And then that stream will loop on Surfline. So if you, you know, if you're in Europe or whatever, or, you know, wherever you are that you can't make it here to Southern California to see it in person, uh, we're going to have a live stream production that's being brought to you by, uh, keyed in and the people at boardshaper.com which uh, they they um they utilize in a really incredible business software so they're the presenting sponsor of the stream and 
of the talks, the, the boardroom panel discussions. So that's sort of the big news. Of course, we're honoring well, Pat Roth. Yeah, go ahead. Will they be cutting between like the icons of phone shaping and the seminars and everything else? I anticipate that that's the case, you know, that they're going to be, I'm not in charge of their production. I did tell them what I think is important. I think people want to see surfboards, you know, yeah. um, we've got a bunch of exhibitors with a bunch of great surfboards. And so I think they're going to I think they're going to have Sam George and some other, um, uh, a female um, sort of co-host sort of roaming the show, doing little segments on different people or maybe on some of the exhibits like Best in Show or the How It's Made or the Icons of Foam or the cool. boardroom talks. Like, yeah, so I don't really know the exact run of show well, right now, but. There's, there's a lot going on simultaneously. So it'd be nice if they can kind of cut between the various things and get a little bit of everything. Yeah, exactly. So cool. That's sort of the big news. And then, you know, um, we've got Valerie Duprat from Mermaid Surfboards. She's going to be um, competing in the Icons of Foam Shape Off. And she's the very first female that we've ever had compete in the Icons of Foam. Now, we've had females, you know, involved in other shaping um, exhibitions, but this is the first time. Valerie's going to go up against, um, you know, the Bill Barnfields and the Chris Borse and the Timmy Pattersons and the Chris Christensen's and the Ricky Carroll's and the Rich Price, a former icon of foam himself. Rich Price is coming out from Florida to um, to shape for his buddy Pat Rawson. So they're all competing to honor Pat, but of course also to highlight um, the wonderful craft of shaping a surfboard and. Um, I mean, Valerie, there's just so much. I could sit here and talk to you for an hour about it, which I might do when we get closer. Valerie uh, is a great choice, a great yeah. contender, and yes. a microbiologist by day. Exactly. I'm so fascinated by her day job, much more than you know what she does for a hobby, which is build surfboards, and she does a great job. But yeah, she's she's like super humble about it, and you wouldn't know, but she's like legit. She's like she's like Jerry Lopez or she's like the Madam Curry of friggin' microbiology. You know what I mean? Like she's on the cutting edge of, of some stuff and I'm a huge fan of hers. I'd like her to make me a board. She's also from France. So she's yeah. native French speaker, but practices and works in microbiology here in English and shapes incredible surfboards and raises a family. Yeah. Her and her husband, they raise a family together. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so great, great choice. Yeah. We're excited about it. We're excited about the boredom show. It's going to be insane. What are the dates? September 25th and 26th. We've got a packed house. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, you've got a booth. Surf Splendor has a booth, right? We do. Um, we're selling merch. So we've loaded up on merch for the first time ever in the recent months and uh, set up a shopping cart on the website. So we have been selling some there, but we'll have everything available in person at the boardroom show. Very cool. That's going to be fun. Yep. Um, so Scott, the Olympics yeah. are kicking off. What's the yes. forecast? Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. So I was lucky enough to talk to Kurt Court who Kurt Court is the lead uh, Olympic surfing forecaster. So I talked with Kurt on the phone yesterday and um, 
basically the forecast is there's there the european models and the gfs model have a pretty massive typhoon forming uh there's one in the water now but there's one that's going to spin off of this and that's going to basically run right into the contest site probably sunday evening what so sunday the is the of this Sunday is the first day of the waiting period for the competition. And it's probably, Kurt says, going to start off kind of small in the morning and a little bit ripped up. And it's going to build rapidly through Sunday, but it's going to be torrential winds and probably not surfable. And, and it, the GFS model has the storm uh, much hotter, much stronger, much closer. And Kurt thinks that the European model is probably a better guidance. It's not quite as um, powerful. It's very, very powerful still, but it moves off the coast a little bit more. It doesn't do a direct hit on Shitashita Beach, but um, both those models, as with any sort of tropical disturbance, they're just hard to put your finger on. I mean, anything can happen. It's hard to understand the steering mechanisms with these things, um, at least the direct, you know, really pinpointed steering mechanisms. And so he's thinking, Sunday's probably not going to happen because it's just going to be blown out and 15 feet. And then Monday and Tuesday, of course, a quick drop in swell, but clean offshore conditions. So look for a pretty solid surf Monday and then Tuesday dropping off pretty quickly. They need three days, three full days of competition to get this thing finished up and to get a gold medalist awarded. And um, he sees Monday and Tuesday as days one and two. And the good news is towards the back half of the waiting period, I want to say right around maybe the 30th of July, something like that. Maybe it's the 28th, 29th. There's, um, there's plenty of, of surf in the water those days too. Again, it's all kind of far off, but the idea that they're going to be surfing sort of dribbly one to two foot weak windswell i think um i think we don't have to worry about that the final day could just be three to four but i don't think it's going to be horrible um you know like worst case scenario and we are going to see some some exciting action probably monday and tuesday their time we do have to be worried about the time change they're 16 hours ahead so um right now there it's uh, Thursday morning, probably something like that. Yeah, it is. It's early Thursday morning. So did you get any insights into how we're going to be able to, or if we're going to be able to view it? Uh, I haven't done any research on that. Um, and of course, Kurt didn't have a whole lot of insight there either. Um, cause he's okay. the, just the official forecaster. He's not really, you know, and I didn't ask him about it now of note, um, for Shitashita Beach, westerly winds or southwesterly winds are the best winds. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been fun following these, these, this, this typhoon, and it's going to be fun following this one that spins off of it. I, I kind of want to go check it out now just to see what it's doing. You know what I could do too right now? If I go to Surfline, I can type in, of course, Shitashita Beach has a camera. Yeah. So let's see if we can take because it's it's the sun is rising there right now. Uh, um, probably going to be small, but let's see here. I oh, uh, it's, a blue, it's a beautiful day there. It's a beautiful morning. It's sunny. Uh, the ocean looks blue. 
It's very small, very small, looks tropical. There's a few kind of lingering, loitering clouds, the kind that you would see during a tropical day. Light, very light winds, glassy and tiny, completely. This is the kind of surf you don't want for this event. So a couple of things I've seen leading up to the event, um, a bunch of the athletes surfing in the new wave pool that they just opened prior, is it Surf Stadium? Is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, American Wave Machines, Perfect Swell. They've got a new, um, a new pool there and it looks killer. Yeah, so we've seen a bit of that. Everybody landed and immediately hit the pool for training. Chloe Andino posted a clip, <clears throat> or a clip or two at Shittashita Beach, surfing knee-high slop and actually looking really fiery, looking good. Um, obviously he's coming off of an injury as well. So I, I haven't really seen him surf since he's been back from injury, but he looked as sharp as ever. John John Florence is making an appearance. He um, came through Huntington Beach on his way to Japan and surfed here for a couple of days. And the waves were, I mean, they were fun for us. Looked kind of crappy when he posts them on his Instagram, but they were waist high. And he's certainly not looking 100%. I'd say he's looking more like 70%, but he's back, you know? And he's he also surfed in the wave pool once he got to Japan, landed a couple of air rotations. So he will be surfing in the Olympics, barring, you know, any additional injury. So that's a that's a pretty big update, I'd say. That's, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. I'm a huge fan and we want to see John John win the whole thing. Um, Carissa Moore, her performance in the pool. I don't know if you saw clips of her. Matt Biola's posted some stuff on his Instagram account. God, did she look on fire, like, you know, ripping the fins out of every turn. And just she looked like she had that extra um, rise to the occasion. This is the Olympics. The entire world's watching. Oh, my God, type of spark. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she just had a little more than a little extra pizzazz in her surfing and um, I'm expecting big things from her. I, to be honest, kept my expectations really low for the Olymp surfing in the Olympics. Um, number one, because I really wasn't convinced that we would have waves. And I don't know, the whole thing that, I don't know, we kind of, we've touched on of just exposing the sport, right? And like, it's, will that make it more crowded? And so all of this, I felt a little bit conflicted about. And I just haven't been excited about it. But the fact is it's here. And now that it's here and I'm seeing some of this stuff, I've got to say, I'm feeling pretty patriotic. I'm feeling, I'm feeling excited, like you're talking about with Carissa. And you think about somebody like Sean White and his, you know, um, mete meteoric, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah, um, meteoric, like, yeah. Meteoric fast, rise. Fast track to fame, yeah. I mean, out of nowhere, almost, you know, or obscurity for the mainstream population to household name and superstar, Michael Phelps. Nobody gave a crap about swimming, really. You can't, nobody could name another swimmer until Michael Phelps. And so you see well, that, that, yeah. th that could be this moment for Carissa Moore. Well, this you this, know, is a, this could Marks. be a Wheaties moment. One of these two girls, whoever wins the gold medal, and you don't know how Wheaties is going to handle it. A lot of it plays out on NBC, whoever NBC deems sort of, you know, the golden child. Of course, um, Simone Biles is sort of the obvious one. But uh, it also wouldn't surprise me if, if Wheaties goes with sort of an action sports hero that's, that's you, know, sort, you know, kind of more like um, 
sport du jour, if you will, you know, sort of the hot thing, you know, who wouldn't want to see a surfer, especially somebody like Carissa, who's absolutely marketable in so many ways. I mean, she's just, she's mother Carissa, you know, she's like mother Teresa with a surfboard. And so, um, so Carolyn Marks, Carissa Moore, Chloe and Dino, John, John Florence on the cover of Wheaties. Absolutely. Or one of the skaters, you know, skateboarding's the first time in the Olympics. And I could see, although some of those guys, <laughs> some of those guys are a little cutting edge, maybe for the box of Wheaties. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious that Wheaties is even part of the conversation. I feel like their only relevance is the Olympics. Otherwise, are you buying Wheaties? Have you bought Wheaties in the last 30 years? I can say with confidence, I've never purchased a box of Wheaties. I have my eaten life. Wheaties. I've eaten Wheaties, but I haven't purchased a box of Wheaties. I can't even remember eating them. I think they, they'd be actually you know wise. You ate them? I know where you ate them. This is where you ate them. When you go on those surf trips and in the morning, they like lay out like all the different cereals and some fruit and stuff. And you basically kind of scarf down and then get in the boat and go. You probably ate Wheaties then and didn't even realize it. If I was last in line and everybody grabbed the other cereals, then yeah, but I'm not last in line in the morning. So I just haven't had it. And the reality is they should use this opportunity to rebrand or just offer... Wheaties with red berries or just any variation of Wheaties <laughs> with Carissa Moore on the package. And I think they would, uh, they could revitalize the whole brand and then they could sell product throughout the years, not just once every four years. Cool. Well, remember, you know, if they're as smart as you are, yeah, maybe they would have already done that. I know they should really be listening nope. to us. Nobody has the marketing. Where the hell are you, by the way? In my living room. That's a mirror behind me. There's a lot it's of white space. It feels like a hotel room somewhere. It's There's not. a lot of white space. That's just oh the wall God, behind like, me. Uh, um, gotcha. The problem is upstairs is freaking 10 degrees hotter than downstairs. Oh, I know. I'm in, a, I'm in the freaking hot box right now in the garage. The garage. Do you have it hot ventilated box. in any way? Yeah, there's an open window here. Okay, good. You also get coastal breeze. You're, you're right. You know, far from the water. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk, I don't know if this is the time to segue or not, but we're talking about careers being launched. There's another huge news story this week of a, a retirement news story, careers being ended and potentially a final event at the Olympics for one Julian Wilson. Really? I don't know anything about this. Fill me in. You, Breaking really? news for Scott. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. Okay. This happened, I feel, on Friday of last week. Julian Wilson took to Instagram and said he is effectively going on hiatus from the uh, WCT. He is going to compete in the Olympics, but he wants to focus on raising his family. He specifically cited COVID-19 as being too big of a threat to, A, uh, bring his family on the road with, so his family has to stay home, but B, going on the road with and then bringing back to his family. So he doesn't want to leave his family and come back. And it's also just way too much time in between all of that stuff. And um, he said he is not, this is not an official retirement. This is strictly a hiatus to kind of suss out COVID-19 further, but for the duration of the CT season. And that's the official statement. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. I've had a few days to process this, of course. It's all hitting you fresh, so I'll lead. But um, there's no way he's coming back. I'm like, I, in my mind, I'm like, this is 
an unofficial retirement. I do not see Julian Wilson coming back. I also see that uh, he's he's been losing heats since pre-COVID-19 in a steady kind of downward trajectory. And this isn't to do with his lack of talent. This isn't to do with his lack of desire. This is specifically to do with his diffused focus. He loves his family. He wants to spend time with his family. And so when he has to trade that for going on the road, and, or even if they're on the road with him, when he has to then go you know, focus and surf a heat, his focus is diffused. And I think that is not an insult. That is not a bad choice. I think that that's actually a very responsible, mature choice, and I can fully honor it and support him in it. Um, but I think that his decision to stay home, maybe COVID-19 certainly does have, it's expedited, you know, what was kind of the inevitable or what had kind of been bubbling under the surface. It's brought it to the surface, but I do not think that COVID-19 is the uh, sole responsibility for this decision. Okay, I'll take the bait and suggest to you that this is a, this is the exact reason why Julian Wilson will win a world title, right? I love how many it. guys, how many guys who are um, super talented have we seen take a little hiatus and then come back and win a world title? How about Mark Akalupa? How about Tom Curran? How about um, okay, six. Andy, Andy Irons got kicked off the tour one time and came back hungry. Um, Kelly Slater. Kelly Slater, right? So um, I'm sure there's a few others that I can't think of, but uh, maybe not. But anyway, my point is, you're right. He has been sort of, uh, I wouldn't say he's been underperforming, but he hasn't necessarily got, you know, you know, the turn that he would hope the judges might give him on occasion. Um, maybe he's surfing a little flat. Uh, we've got, of course, the COVID situation, which is difficult. The whole 2021 season semi-lame. Nothing like taking some time off with a great excuse slash reason, family and COVID, to then go, hey, WCT, remember me? I'm an Olympian from Australia who's been in the top five or ten on the CT rankings for years. I'm now 29, 30 years old and ready to go. I'm highly marketable. Please give me a wild card for 2022 and watch me come back and we'll be eager to see the new Julian revved up, rested, revamped, and ready to rock. Julian Wilson, 2022, 2.0. I love it. It's a good take, but let me ask you this. Can he be, think of the venues on tour? And they'll probably change by 2022, but just think of those stops. Can Julian beat Gabriel? at any of those stops? Can he beat Idolo at those stops? Can he beat John John at those stops? Can he even beat Felipe at most of those can, stops? Can he? Yes, he can. The probabilities, you know, what are the, what are the percentages? You know, look, we know who the favorites are, but um, Julian Wilson's got game. I, I actually think he's got better chances at places like Pipe or big French beach breaks or G-Land um, than some of the lesser known, you know, like, like the bells of the world um, where, uh, you know, I, I just think, I, I think he's, he's got big wave game. I think he's got that. Um, you know, if it comes down to three foot Rio, okay. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Felipe. If it comes down to, you know, 
three to four foot Lamore. Okay, I'm going to give it to Gabe and Felipe. But my point is, you know, he can beat those guys. I know, again, the probabilities aren't necessarily in his favor, but uh, that's why we surf the heats. You know, we, we got to do the work here. Well, he is a pipe master and he has won in Rio over Gabriel Medina in the final when it was small. So you're right. You make a case. And I think to kind of be swayed into your camp, his fundamentals are actually stronger. They're as strong as, if not stronger than a lot of those people that I just named. And uh, what he's really lacking is consistency. And so if in that time off, he can develop that consistency and maybe, or just the kind of extra level of drive that'll push him into consistency, then yeah, maybe we could see the best Julian ever. And he also doesn't necessarily need to vie for a wild card, as you stated, because this new challenger series format, he could just show up at the end of next season, surf a few of those events and, you know, potentially get back on tour. Well, I could see that. Yeah, I could see, in fact, like, let's maybe it's not 2022, maybe it's 2023. Yeah. But if he takes all of 2022 off, you can only change so many diapers and do so many honeydew lists to Home Depot before you're like, shit, being a competitive surfer wasn't such a bad gig after all. The fire will be reignited. He's young enough. He'll probably be surfing better than he ever surfed, ever. How old is Julian? He's not that old. I want to say he might be 28 or 29, maybe 30. Let's say he's 31. I'm going to look it up. 31 or 32 is not too old um, when you're talking about the CT and the Dream Tour and Waves of Consequence, you know, Chopu, uh, G-Land, Sunset Beach Pipeline, all of these great waves on tour. Um, Yeah, I I think, don't be surprised if that's a storyline in 2023. Uh, He was born in 1988, so that would make him 33. Or he's going to be 33 this year. A little older than I thought. Yeah, me too. Um, so, but he still has time. I mean, that's the thing is the athlete's longevity now, you know, it's not too old to be 33. Be curious to look at what, how old Mick Fanning was when he won his last title, how old Joel uh, Parkinson was when he won I'm his sure title. I'm sure those guys were in there 35. I bet there was guys yeah. who were like 35 years old. Yeah, I'm 39 and I think they're right around my age. So yeah, they would have been 35 or so. Um, and I could see Julian doing what he's kind of stating that he wants to do, which is bring his family on tour with him. You know, he could win a Joel Parkinson type title. So, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I'm so shocked that you did not see that news. Um, and good for Julian, by the way, I would like to state good for Julian. I think this is a great decision. Yeah, exactly. I do too. I, I really do. I, uh, maybe there's some burnout there. It's time for a little recharge. Get the family organ, get the COVID thing taken care of, get it out of the way. No more quarantines. Let's yeah. spend some time. Let's reignite, get the fire going. I can see this, this thing happening in his favor. And the, the other thing is this whole COVID season feels so disoriented and um, uncertain that it's like if, if the WSL can't promise you that these events are actually going to happen, then it's hard to put your family life on hold. So go with certainty. And I think obviously Ace Bucken has made this decision through a lot of this year, choosing to stay home for events as well. So I think it's a smart, smart move. I mean, frankly, the the government of Australia has been, um, you know, they've been steadfast in the way they're handling this pandemic. And it's been really great for the country there. 
um, but it's difficult to travel if you're an Australian. You're looking at 14 days every time you come back into the country, yeah. and uh, it, that gets that gets that gets old quick, and we don't even know what it's like. Yeah, and we complain about wearing masks. <laughs> right. By the way, by the yeah, you you go. Guess what I did the other day? Randomly, I randomly pulled into CVS pharmacy, got my third shot. No third. way! Is that what that bracelet is on your arm? No, I just bought the bracelets because I'm a, I'm a fan of, of vaccinations. But I got number three. Is the no? Oh, it's band-aids off. But um, you're wearing a bracelet on both wrists. It looked like. You want everybody to know in case somebody can only see one arm and not the other. They they will know that you got the third. Not about me. It's about you. I want you guys to get vaccinated. You're so good for my business. I need business. Altruistic. I was gonna say, are you threatened by the Delta variant at all? Absolutely, man. I can't handle another year of no work. Look, if this thing starts killing people and they start shutting down businesses again, it is just not good for anything. No, nobody wins. Nobody wins. Yeah. And so it's time to, to vax up and get this thing behind us. Like, let's not be idiots here. You know, if you're for a strong, healthy economy, then um, I'm suggesting do what the experts do and get vaccinated. But I, I should, if you're, look, I'm not here to make this, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I better just shut up now. I'll just shut up right there and just say, that's my opinion. Do whatever Smart. you want. Smart. Um, but the fair is scheduled at Del Mar right after the boardroom show, right? So all systems are go. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. We're we're going forward unless um, unless we're not. <laughs> so you want to hear about somebody who did pull off a pretty amazing travel feat? Mason Ho. No. Yes. Similar. Um, Stab Magazine. Right after they finished filming the um, electric acid surfboard test with Mason and Coco. They had surfers from around the globe, 18 surfers um, and, and judges and filmers all fly in to Costa Rica and they filmed another edition of Stab High. And this is gonna premiere tomorrow night. They are also doing it in four episodes and it'll air every Thursday. And I'll read a little bit from their website. 18 surfers, six ladybirds, five judges, 10 filmers, and all of STAB's US, US staff made the trip to Playa Hermosa, Costa Rica in early May with one goal in mind, raise surfing's progressive ceiling. Once everyone received their marching orders, it was off to the races with competitors having 12 days to go as high as humanly possible while STAB is and always will be, all, I'm sorry, while STAB high is and always will be a competition, it became evident from day one that this was about a lot more than merely crowning a winner. So another series on tap with Stab. That's pretty cool. Who are, who are some of the surfers? Uh, man, I didn't even write that list down, but it's a long list. Ian Crane, Mateus Hurdy, um, uh, Mickey Clark from Ventura, a bunch of no names, to be honest. From but they what did about, a fantastic. Uh, Zach? Exactly. Um, J um, you know, Z JK from La Jolla. Um, oh, Jake Zekle. Yeah, 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 Jake. Jacob Zekle. I did not. I yeah, did Jacob. not see him Jacob. there. Huh. Um, but I'll tell you what. 
we we've talked uh, in the past that we like stab high. I love this yeah. idea, and what I really love about it is the progression of the sport. I love setting kind of um, setting a bar. Like, I mean, they explicitly state our goal is to do the highest air possible. And there's these rampy overhead punchy beach breaks. Here's the opportunity. Here's the, what we're trying to do. Go do it. And last trip, Nathan uh, Fletcher was one of the judges. He did the highest gnarliest straight air out of anybody, way gnarlier than kids 20 years younger. And that really felt like a shot across the bow. So now going into this event, it's kind of like, hey guys, you know, it's not adequate to just do a standard air rotation and land it cleanly. We want to see something gnarly. And so not to throw the WSL under the bus, but where I feel so much of their judging criteria and also the venue selection regresses surfing, you know, this is the exact opposite. This is saying you will only be rewarded if you do something that we've never seen before. So I think this is fantastic. It's entertainment for us, but it's also fantastic for surfing as a whole. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it launches tomorrow, which would be Thursday. And um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Should be good you know stuff, man. You know what else I think is savvy of STAB, um, just kind of as a business plan, is keeping us coming back weekly. Oh, I thought you were going to say putting it on the heels of the Olympics. Well, it's not on the heels, though. I mean, like, the reality is they were doing this before the Olympics. They'll be doing it through and after. But them having... Oh, I'm not knocking them for it. Them having a touchstone every, and now it's like Thursdays is their day, you know, because that's when the electric acid surfboard test was. But having a touchstone every Thursday for you and I to remind, to check in. And so, because even if you love a site or a, a podcast or whatever, sometimes they'll publish, you'll go months without revisiting it. This is a way of pumping out fresh content every week and almost forcing us to come back and hit that touchstone. And then throughout the week, we're more likely to kind of visit the other things that they're doing as well. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see how this thing goes down. Were they at Playa Hermosa? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Sort of out of my league, the whole aerial thing. I'm, I'm just trying to randomly i'm trying to surf with dignity and it's very difficult very have you have you ever done an air accidentally yes i think i told you the story i did do an air and you know who witnessed it was alex gray and um adam wickwire i remember adam (laughs) Adam yeah Yeah, goofy foot on rip curl yeah from florida and alex gray we were on a trip i was working at surfer and uh According to them, I did a credit card error, like, you know, just the, sl- the thinnest little sliver of, of, you know, 35-year-old dude, Ariel. Did, sure um, were you attempting to do an air? I think I might have been because those guys were just busting. And so I was, you know, then I, I had, a, I, I was, you know, what's the word? Um, I was sort of vain enough to think i could hang with these guys you know and so i gotcha. was probably like oh yeah watch me bro and it was hideous <laughs> okay i need details where were you like where in the world were you and then also 
Was it in the end section? Was it a right? Was it a left? Um, no, it was it was a right, and we were down at that beach break there, just north of Cabo um, Pescadero. Is it or no? Um, what's the? There's two little beach breaks up there. Anyway, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's slipping my mind right now. But um, anyway, um, it was a right-hander, and you know, right coming into a left. I think. You know, it wasn't it wasn't anything worthy of a you know full breakdown i just did a turn and might have gotten lucky and somebody said oh bad you know (laughs) awesome well the fact the fact that you had witnesses is awesome yeah i i tried to do one the other day it's atrocious and but oh my gosh yeah well it was a section it was an end section like you're talking about that i'm like you this is the section you have to do it on but it i just had no um i no plan for what to do after getting in the air right so it's like you hit the section and you're like floating through the air and then you just land like you're laying back as if you're like jumping into a bed or something with my board at my feet and then i thought to myself god that i could actually i feel like i could actually do this like if i got that section again here's what i would do differently um but I won't encounter that section again for eight months, you know, but I got the feel of yeah. weightlessness. Yeah, dude, give it up. Let's come on. Let's just surf with dignity. Okay. Cause even if I did it, it's going to be a terrible air undignified. It's going to be terrible. And then you're going to say how great it was or how great it felt or no know, way you, I won't. I'm, I'm just saying like, you're going to claim it and it's hard to claim airs when you're 40 something. Cause there's 20 somethings that are just busting huge ones all day long. 13 year olds. Surf with dignity, my friend. Be stoked speaking, on your bottom turn. Speaking of dignity, how was your conversation with Sean Thompson? It was great. In fact, he brings a lot of hot takes. He's got a Does hot he? take on Noah, calls out Noah Dean pretty hard. Tell me. What Basically does he say? Tells Noah Dean to shut the hell up. And um, when did Noah I mean, Dean say something? Like eight to, years ago? I don't want to. I don't want to speak for uh, for Sean. You should listen to it. I and will. He's got, obviously, he's got hot takes on the Olympics and Olympic surfing and all sorts of stuff on um, busting down the door of the movie and Fast Eddie Rothman and all that stuff. Sean's so, a great interview. Let me, I mean, honestly, Noah Dean, the only time I remember Do- Noah Dean saying something was F the WSL, and that was at least eight years ago, and I haven't heard him say much since. I, I'm not sure. Um, I think he might've said something recently. I don't know what it was. I, I, you know, I I was just letting Sean go. I didn't ask him what he was referring to. He was just like, has he got, has he gotten more ornery as he's gotten older? Sean's always had a little orneriness in him. I don't, yeah, I don't identify him that way. I don't know if ornery is the right word, but he's, he's, he's got a deep seated passion and fire that can't be stamped out by, you know, he, he's, uh, he's not going to back down. Can't be stamped out by Noah Dean's four foot airs. No, no. Um, what is, what was his thoughts on the Olympics? Um, he had some thoughts. I told him who I thought was going to win. He, you know, he, he was excited about the women's side of the, the draw, you know, the, how many, how incredible the, the women are surfing these days. And he's right. I think if you looked at it, um, you know, through the right prism, it could be argued that 
in the last 10 years, women's surfing has accelerated faster and, and probably to greater lengths than men's surfing has. Yeah. You know, like the women are closer to the men now than they've ever been. Totally. So he yeah. wasn't, his talk about the Olympics wasn't pro or anti surfing in the Olympics. It was more about the actual athletes. Yeah. And he's, he's very much pro competitive cool. surfing in general, you know, um, yeah. he was, he's kind of anti wave pool. Um, you got to listen to it. You know, I don't like, I'm afraid I'm going to butcher his words. I, I prefer that, you know, I'm just giving you an opportunity to hype it. Draw listeners. Yeah, in. I know. Well, they, sh yeah. If you're a fan of, you know, like me, I mean, you know, Sean and Sean's one of my surf heroes, you know? And um, so I like to hear those guys talk. I love hearing MR and PT and rabbit and those guys. I like hearing their takes on things. Cause that's sort of my wheelhouse. You know, it'd be like if you're a kid now and you got to hear, um, I don't know, Noah Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, I was desperate to hear whose name you could scratch up. I thought you were going to be like Corey Lopez or something. <laughs> Corey Lopez wow. is here. In, I saw Corey Lopez at Cardiff the other day, surfing at Cardiff. No way. What's he doing? I don't know. I, he's just here surfing. I don't know. Good for him. Florida's flat yeah. as usual. Um, yeah. Uh, how does it feel, by the way, to get to not only get to interview your childhood heroes, but get to become friends with. Oh, it's really cool. You know, it's, it's really cool. Right. I mean, um, you know, those guys are just a phone call away if I need them or if they need me um, for anything, you know, like, you know, we're not super good friends. We're just acquaintances, but good enough to be able to call and chat. And I've done some stuff with Sean and I've done some stuff with MR um, and, and uh, we've done business together and stuff like that. So it's been good. I think it's cool. And it's a, I was glad to see you send that episode through um, the boardroom show podcast, by the way, is what we're talking about. But uh, I was reminded at Sean, you talk about dignity, Sean, just as a figurehead for the sport, you know, and like how um, iconic, how important it is to have somebody who has that level of dignity, charisma also, and kind of intelligence you know, it, you know, it's, it's awesome. funny you say that because I, I maybe, um, this is the wrong way to look at it, but I, and you tell me, cause you've interviewed a lot of South Africans and a lot of Australians. And I think I've told you this before. I think that their education system in South Africa is simply better than in America. Every time I talk to a South African, they are so clear and concise and such great communicators. True. And they have a much larger vocabulary. They very rarely say, I'm like, bro, dude, yeah, guy. None of that bullshit is in the equation. They just seem like they come from a better educated a system that has better education, especially the South Africans, man. They are, like I say, they're, they're just better communicators. They, they sound professional. They sound like they have a, a grasp of the English language above and beyond your normal utterances. It's entirely true. I had not isolated or thought of uh, South Africa specifically in that regard, but you're entirely right. Every South African that I've ever become friends with or know totally fits that bill. And this is an opportunity right now, by the way, to uh, give a shout out to South Africa and acknowledge the atrocities that they're going through in Durban right now maybe even the rest of the country. I've seen all the news stories from Durban, but tremendous civil unrest due to political infighting. Uh, it just seems like a horror show. 
Yeah. Um, Sad. Yeah. It's an yeah, atrocity. I don't know much about it. I'm just have you seen it? To you here. I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, but I, 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 what's interesting to me is how how it's not really in our sphere of news cycle. You know, like, um, and I guess it mostly has to do with there's there's not a lot of economic ties between our two nation states. It's like you'll you'll hear much more about Asia and China and yeah, um, even the Middle East because of um, you know our economic ties to those regions. But um, South Africa's so off of our economic radar, I guess, that that's why it's not making the nightly news, you know, but it's pretty horrific. The stuff I've seen on Instagram, I know Travis oh, Logie posted yeah. some stuff and that's um, right. Graham, Graham Smith, uh, Jordy Smith's dad posted some crazy footage of some radical, just warehouse burning and parts of the city burning down. I just, gnarly. Yeah. I don't even know what it's about. I really don't even I, I can only take I, in so much, man. My bandwidth is limited and I'm so swamped. I'm just like, yeah, that's too much for me right now. I better just stick with trying to figure out which type of wax to use. Well, it's relevant in regard to the surf world, you know, because Durban's such a, um, such a world-class surf destination and has kind of given us so many professional surfers, has such a great surf culture. It's a destination for international surfers, all that. But also, and I won't try to... Um, pretend to understand the political uh, dealings or the unrest or what's happening, even though I have read into it and seen people have explained it to me. But ultimately what it comes down to is people, civilians have taken up arms in the street to protect their homes, their resources. Um, grocery stores have been completely looted and pillaged. People cannot, so people can't get food. Babies are going without food. Uh, people cannot get their life you know, their necessary medications to keep them alive because all of those supply chains have been cut off and civilians are literally guarding and protecting their property with guns and still being overrun at times. And in the streets, it's pure, like a war scene. Cars overturned and on fire, trash everywhere. Everything's been looted and it's pure pandemonium. And, you know, we don't get exposed to any of that in Southern California. But there was times in the last year or two of our own kind of political divisions where things, there were little, these little kind of microcosms of riots that gave you a realization and a bigger sympathy for what is the reality for other people around the world. And so when I see that stuff now, it's like, man, if you had to live with that every day, that's horrific. Your value systems yeah. become very different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Protect our so. democracy, man. So shout out to those in South Africa. Um, yeah. Scott, I, we were referencing Noah Dean. My must-see moment includes Noah Dean. Do you know oh, what it is? Um, uh, it might be, is it Stabs 100? Stab 100? No, it's Volcom's, <laughs> Volcom's latest oh, yeah. film, That's Lobotomy. Cool. Yeah, I, saw, I saw Lobotomy. It's pretty insane. Holy cow. Holy cow. Is it, yeah, is the opening sequence, I think, is Noah Dean. Yeah, it starts. Or is it Jack? Then it goes to Jack. Yeah, it's Jack and Noah kind of trading waves at that wedgie right peak. Um, That's Durban, isn't it? I mean, no. not a D bot. I mean, yeah. No? So, D bot. Um, I mean, the one shortcoming of this film, which I, it's, I shouldn't be leading with it, but traditionally on these surf films, the ones that Volcom has put out, you know, they spend a year or two traveling around the world and you see these surfers surfing all these different locations. This is a little bit more concise. This is 
kind of individual sections maybe made up from one surf trip. You know, Ballerum Stacks section is him in Puerto Escondido. But that shouldn't, and this is all limited, of course, by COVID, but that shouldn't diminish your enjoyment of this film at all because the Ballerum section specifically is unreal. He's surfing Puerto pretty much maxed out. It's like double to triple overhead and the kid just absolutely charges. Of course, um, Jack Robinson's section reminds you why Jack Robinson has all the accolade he does despite his performance on the, QS, on the CT this year. Ryan Birch's section, the left on the log with all that fancy footwork is just unreal. Where was I that, mean, do you think? Mexico? Was that Pavonis? Oh, it could yeah. have been. I was yeah, thinking I was it was Max. I where that was. Um, I don't know. But it's a great contrast of um, uh, flavors and sensations yeah. in the film, you know, to see kind of Ballerum's giant barrel stuff to Noah Dean and Jack Robinson's radical stuff to Ryan Birch longboarding. It's like, but it all works completely. The film is fantastic. Lobotomy by Volk. Super good. Excuse me. Yeah, I watched it and I liked it. And I mean, there's some Jack Robinson footage at North Point that's mental. Whole thing's mental. Super fun. It, that's going to get you fired up to go surf. It is must-see moment, but also arguably one of the best surf films of the year thus far. Wow. All right. Hype, a hype film. Hype you up for <laughs> surf. Um, right. Do you have a must-see or a Duke or anything? Um, I do. I, my Duke is um, Rock and Fig, who sadly passed away of a heart attack at the age of 64, which is really young. And Southern California surfers, of course, know who Rock and Fig is. But uh, if you're a listener in Europe, Rock and Fig was sort of like, sort of like, I don't know, unofficial mayor of Huntington Beach. Can totally. you go there? Yeah, you could. Um, yeah, he's kind of like the guy. He and Buddy you had to, you had to uh, kiss the ring and go say hi to him. And uh, you didn't have to. You'd be honored to. You wanted to. You know what I mean? It was like I actually stopped by his shop one time, and he was kind of salty. I thought, "Tell me, he didn't what, know me what happened?" Adam. I just, I was just in there like, I, I, I might have been promoting something. I'm sure I was. I was probably, uh, I might have been promoting, um, like a boardroom show or something, or I, I you know, asking like, him hey. to put posters up or something. Uh, yeah, something like that. You know, where he was kind of like, not in my town, bro. <laughs> you, know, <or> whatever. <laughs> you didn't kiss the ring. I did not kiss the ring. I did not kiss the ring. Um, oh, Lordy. Well. Yeah, but so, sadly, he's passed away. He was a good guy, and um, it's a bummer. I know well, he touched a lot funny, of lives. You said, yeah, passed away at, what was it, 64? Yeah. A young 64? He yeah. looked the same that 20. he did at 34. <laughs> I mean, no, I he'd, he'd always I be wearing a cutoff or a tank top and, you know, a trucker cap, but he had the exact same look. I don't think his hair grew, but I don't think he cut it. It was just like always the same length, no matter what. He didn't seem to age. Um, but the other detail here is that he was delivering the surf report on K-Rock, which is an iconic rock and roll station that, I mean, I, a documentary is being made, I believe, on K-Rock and all of the famous bands that they launched. But it's ridiculous. It's a longer list of iconic bands, like a grunge era um, Nirvana, 
Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, No Doubt, Rage Against the Machine, System of a Down, Nine Inch Nails, you know, like just endless because mainly they're centered in, you know, the epicenter of the music industry, which is Los Angeles. But so all these bands would come through and it was when record labels had more clout than they do now. So they would all come through and, you know, slide a, a demo tape under the door. And um, and a half a gram. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Under the door and Rodney Bigenheimer (laughs) might play it for you. And so anyways, K-Rock was huge. And Rock and Fig was on the Kevin and Bean morning show every morning delivering the surf report. And I grew up listening to that from my preteen years through college years. And honestly, I'd have to go back and check these facts. I don't think he actually was checking the surf. I think he just kind of delivered the same report every day. And like, (laughs) but it didn't matter because it was just so entertaining. His delivery of it was so entertaining, you know? And it would always be like, oh yeah, Zuma's two to three feet and like shore break, you know? Which is true. That's what Zuma is. And then Huntington always has some combo swell or maybe some South swell with a little bit of combo rolling in, you know, and South Bay is not getting much. It's like, all of that is pretty much true. 250 days a year, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, and as you mentioned, you know, Los Angeles talk about a huge market. So even if you weren't a surfer, I mean, we're talking, I don't know how many people are in LA, probably I bet nine or 10 million people. More? Yeah, I'll look it up while you're talking, but I don't you know. You know, KRQ is reaching a lot of people, you know, so Rock and Fig, a lot of people heard Rock and Fig's trip, even if you weren't a surfer, you were listening, you heard the thing and you went, oh, there's that surf dude. I, I mean, honestly, that's exactly right. The vast majority of the audience didn't give a crap about surfing. He was just super entertaining, you know? Yeah, and then the radio station didn't give a crap either. They were just no. like, dude, we're in Los Angeles. We need a surf reporter. Bring on rock and fig, you know, and it was, you know, we need to fill airtime. Um, well, but, it's like, you know, you can't be in LA without a surf report. It's just like, that's totally. what we are. It's, you know. Well, so rock and fig had a surf shop as well on main street in Huntington beach. It's still there. And so that became like, um, you know, this guy who you hear, who's just part of the voice of Southern California you can just go into the shop and buy a bar. Well, you would prefer to buy a bar of wax from him than somebody else. And um, so anyways, yeah, he's uh, synonymous with Huntington Beach and he will be missed. So it's a great Duke yeah. at all, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Um, my Duke is actually Stab Magazine for their Ladybirds concept. Um, this is part of Stab High. They have a girl's I'm not even going to say women's division. It's a girls division. They're young girls that they're flying in from around the world to do this. They did it in Texas last year. They're doing it in Costa Rica this year. And um, again, giving kind of a, a bar for people to jump over, pun intended. And I think that kudos should be given to Stab Magazine for their investment in the Ladybirds. All right. Well, I... I think that's a worthy Duke as well. We got Rock and Fig and Stab with their ladybirds um, propping up the young females who are ripping. Um, these ladybirds, by the way, are doing gnarlier airs than the professional women on the CT. Yeah, you that's it, you heard it here first. Yeah, that's true, and it's it's yeah, it's not that the women can't do it; it's just that. Does the format preach? Does the format limit them. Preach. 
Maybe it Preach. does. Maybe it I, does. I keep talking about putting F1 drivers in go-karts is what the WSL has been doing. And this is further evidence of that. The, the yeah. air that Carissa Moore did in Australia this year was sick, but honestly, check, check in with Sierra Kerr, check in with Aaron Brooks, you know, these 13 year old girls and what they're doing. And so and I th- not to take anything away from Carissa, but again, it's a format issue. Well, I, I do think if, if Carissa continued that, that sort of trajectory, no pun intended, that she would be rewarded. The judges would reward her. They and that, that one. And so in, in many ways, it can be argued that it's on the, the pro surfers. It's on the women competitors to kind of go, you know what? It's time to raise the bar. And as soon as one of those girls starts making a lot of errors consistently or even semi-consistently and gets and gets, starts getting the, the, uh, the scores that, that they would deserve, man, you're going to see a real separation. And then totally. Carissa will really be, I mean, you know, well, so those girls need to start. In many ways, it's on the girls to, or it's on the coaches or it's on the camps. Yeah. Well, I think ultimately what's going to happen is Sierra Kerr is going to qualify for tour and she's going to come in and just start dropping bombs on people. It's just it's part of her repertoire. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah, it's no big deal. It's like a bottom. Exactly. And so that'll be the real um, moment of change. So yeah. I also have a Duke this week, if you'd like to hear. We just said Duke. We had I'm two sorry. Dukes. I'm sorry. The opposite of Duke. I have a kook this week. A kook. The okay. Hyperion Water Reclamation Plant in Playa del Rey. Do you know why? Does this um, have to do with that? Uh, <laughs> those lands that were given back to an African-American family? No. No, this has to do with them pumping 17 million gallons of sewage into the South Bay last week. Oh, how many times did that happen and no one even knew? <laughs> Quite a few Man, times. Man, great, yeah, great question. I guarantee you 10 and 15 years ago, they definitely tried to cover stuff like that up. Yeah, um, no doubt. So this began last Sunday and it end Sunday evening and it ended around 4.30 in the morning on Monday. Uh, 17 million gallons, about 6% of the facility's daily load amounted to the largest emergency discharge conducted at the Hyperion plant in a decade, officials say. The plant, which began operating in the 20s, is the oldest of the city. Uh, It's water waste treatment facility. Ultimately, this was all sewage coming from toilets that was supposed to be uh, processed, but it accidentally got diverted into the wrong pipe. So they have a pipe that only that dumps like a mile out for stuff that's yeah. all you know processed and clean. And then they have another pipe that dumps, I forget how many miles out further. So it's supposed to go to that far out pipe and it accidentally got diverted into the mile out pipe and completely contaminated all of the South Bay, 17 million gallons. Don't go fishing for rockfish. That's all I can tell you. Don't go surfing. Man, that's horrible. Yeah. Kook move, Hyperion water reclamation plant. Jeez. Super kooky. Super kooky and lame, no doubt. Yep. Um, anything else? That's all I've got for today, Scott. Uh, this was an afternoon show. I feel like you uh, need a you need a shot of espresso before our afternoon show. I know. Shows. I'm tired. I'm yawning, tired. leaning back in your chair. I thought you're going to like just go into full <laughs> recline position. Could happen, man. It could happen. 
It's getting it's four that, o'clock. Get four o'clock, close to bedtime. I got a post lunch nap coming my way. You know what I'm saying? Good for you. Sorry no. to interrupt it. I'm so busy. It's ridiculous. I know. I'm glad for you. Hey, okay, uh, listeners, call in. Call in and oh, yeah. leave us a voicemail. I mean, look. You must be getting some horrid, horrid voicemails. You just I, get I want some, people like, to have kids fun with just it. pranking the living shit out of it. I want people to have fun with it. You know what I mean? Well, and I'm here's sure the cool thing are. about here's the cool thing about this is um, yeah. it transcribes all of them and emails it to me. So I could just kind of read through it and see what it is. So I don't have to sit there and listen and wonder oh, when the insult good. is coming. Um, but honestly, have fun with it. Also be serious with it. If somebody actually has, I'm sure people do have uh, very kind of serious board design questions or something like that, send them our way. Yeah. If you just want a give us a silly take on what happened at the Olympics, send them our way. The phone number, I have it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'll read it off right now, even though nobody will write it down. It is 760-237-0150. Oh, speaking of which, we got an email. I, real quick, I want the listeners to chime in on this because this is a sincere and legit question from an emailer. And it's basically, um, I'm trying to pull it up, but my computer's super slow right now. Anyway, I can tell you what it is. Um, this guy's down in El Salvador, he's surfing, and he notices 10 Brazilians paddling out at the same time. And he had a, he, and he's okay with the Brazilians. He's like, whatever, you know, this guy's a Spanish guy, whatever, you know. And, but he wanted, he wants the listeners to chime in here. Why is it that Brazilians travel in packs? Is it true that just Brazilians travel in packs? This is an, is this um, sort of like a cultural anomaly? Is this some, like, does anyone have the, the answer to that question? Why do Brazilians travel in packs? And frankly, maybe they don't. Maybe that's just us making it up. Maybe it's our imagination. I don't know. It seems to me that they travel in packs or maybe Americans travel in packs and Australians do we travel in packs of 10? I doubt oh. it greatly. Uh, I do remember do that is when you go on a boat trip to Indo. I do remember discussing this about a boat trip to Indo a year or two ago uh, because of a listener email as well. It was a very well, similar. I can, give, I can give a pass on that because, I mean, how many times have you been on a boat trip with 10 of your friends or eight of your friends? You know, and so to them, it's like a boatload of Americans. So you I mean, get that. Yeah. But I'm talking about if you go to El Salvador or you go to Costa Rica, or you go to Hawaii, or you, go, you, you just, you need one guy, one buddy, two, two's perfect, three's too many. Yeah, well, we'll discuss it next episode. Okay, and they can chime in, they can call and chime in if they have the answer. And again, this isn't, I would like Brazilians to call and let us know what's going on there. Maybe they have some insight into this. Maybe it's a fiscal thing, it's an economic deal. I don't know. Yep, I'd chime like in. Know. I'm interested. Or call in, email in, DM in. Right. Until next time, then, David. Adios and aloha. I'm sad, lonesome and blue. I was fair as a summer day. Now the summer days are through. You pass through places, and places pass through. You carry them with on the soles of your traveling shoes. Well, I love you so dearly, I love you so clearly I wake you up in the morning so early Just to tell you I got the wandering blues I got the
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.